This is Molly Hemingway, encouraging you to listen to my favorite podcast, Issues, etc. Every day you get in-depth interviews with host Todd Wilkin asking expert guests substantive, thought-provoking questions on all of the important news and issues of our day. The expert guests are in culture, law, ethics, philosophy, theology, and apologetics. Expert guests, expansive topics, always extolling Christ, issues, etc. Whether you're speaking morally or politically, it is just wrong to say that pro-life states are making a mistake in passing pro-life legislation. And I worry that Trump is giving aid to people who are politically averse to doing the right thing on abortion law. There are people who are absolutely sure that there are no absolutes. And the statement that there are no absolutes is an absolute statement. So that statement violates the law of non-contradiction and can therefore not be true. The woke are not having their own children. My friends on the left have zero to two kids. My friends on the right have two to 12 kids. And so they're not making their own kids. So I think that their hope is to take ours and raise ours and indoctrinate ours. Salvation is forgiveness. Salvation is new life in Christ, not affirmation of our desires. God didn't give the gospel to affirm us. He gave the gospel to save us. This is Brian from Dallas. Texas dove hunters love issues, etc. in the field. Adios, palomas. What do you do when homeschooling or parochial school or private school is not an option for you. Your kids are going to be going to public school. Those circumstances do exist, and yet you need to protect them from the indoctrination into progressive ideas that the public schools are, well, indoctrinating them into. What do you do? Is your primary, is your only job to protect them, or is it also necessary that as a parent you train them to deal with those ideas and resist them? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in live on this Thursday afternoon, September the 21st. We're going to be talking about some parental strategies to help children resist progressive indoctrination. Katie Faust joins us. She's a married mother of four children in Seattle. She's founder and director of the children's rights organization, Them Before Us, and co-author of the new book, Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City, Teaching Historical, Economic, and Biological Truth in a World of Lies. Katie, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Todd. Spoiler, you guys are one of my favorite podcasts, so it's an absolute joy to be able to talk with you about this book. Oh, thank you. Both Matt Walsh and you spoke at our 2020 virtual Making the Case conference, and I want your response to one of Matt's tweets. He said, the public school system cannot be saved, even if it could. I'm not sending my kids in to help with that mission. It's not their job. They're not equipped. No child is. I hear parents say that they won't leave the school system because they want to fight, but it's not you doing the fighting. It's your child, and he cannot win it. You are sending him on a suicide mission. It isn't fair to him. What's your response? We're not sending our kids to the public school so they can be missionaries or overturn the system. We are primary educators of our children. That's really how to properly think about parenting. You are the primary educator, and you can do that regardless of whether they're homeschooled, private schooled, or at public school. There are some people who don't have the option of homeschooling and private schooling. There are certainly people who don't can't afford a private school. There are some people for whom homeschool doesn't work for a variety of reasons. Some of them, I know, are in 
co-parenting situations where the other parent won't let them homeschool. Some of them really are not in a place to stay at home and educate their children every day, even though many of them would very much like to. 90% of people send their kids to public schools. And so what we did is we wrote the book so that we said, regardless of what kind of schooling your children are doing formally, you are the one that is schooling them. And we've laid out a strategy for how to do that. Even if your kids are in public school, even if you're living in a blue city, even if you're not with them 100% of the time, every day, hour after hour. So this is a philosophy that can be applied really regardless of your zip code and what kind of schooling your kids are in. So someone's naturally going to ask, living, raising kids in a woke city, why don't you just move to a more conservative area? Well, whenever I meet somebody from Idaho, I ask them, hey, how's my church doing over there? Because that's really what a lot of people have done. A lot of conservatives, a lot of Christians simply have left. And again, I think that there's reasons to leave, specifically if you're called to another place, but Christians don't run. And honestly, Christians have been raising their kids in some pretty challenging situations throughout the last couple millennia and doing so successfully. And so I do think that parents can inculcate their worldview in their kids, but it does not happen by accident. And by the way, I've got friends in those conservative cities, those conservative states, and guess what? The woke culture is coming for those kids too. It's slipping into their social media. It's finding their way into their classrooms. It's in their friend group. So again, you're not going to find salvation in a red state. You're not. You're going to find salvation in Christ, and he has put you in charge of your kid's education, regardless of where you're raising them and what kind of school they're in. What are our children facing woke culture? Give us a description. Well, we don't make any bones about how awful this culture is, and we've got a front row seat to not just what's happening in culture, but what is happening in the school system. Because our kids, um, my co-author Stacy Manning and I, between us, we've got seven kids spanning fifth grade all the way up to college at this point. They've largely gone through public schools the whole time. So we've seen it all. You know, we've seen the aggressive push during Black Lives Matter Week, which presents queer theology under the guise of anti-racism. You know, we've seen the land acknowledgments started out in the beginning of all of the library reading times. I mean, like we've seen it all. And it's no joke, like the kind of ideas that they are sharing to our kids, they're trying to spread to our kids, whether it's in the classroom, in media, among their friend groups, is destructive and dangerous. You know, ideas about their own bodies, ideas about gender, sexuality, abortion, socialism, the nature of individual liberty and individual rights, the founding of this country. I mean, these are not innocuous lies. They're lies that can create and so very real havoc in the lives of kids. And so it's destructive. You know, the culture and the ideas that the culture is communicating to our children are destructive and dangerous. So we've got no illusions about that. And the reality is the parents around us understand the stakes as well. Parents that I talk to from all across the country are afraid that this woke virus is going to infect their kids and they're right to be afraid. So why are the woke after our children's hearts and minds and even bodies? Well, I think that they understand that if you can get to the kids, you get them for life. A more cynical take would be the woke are not having their own children. My friends on the left have zero to two kids. My friends on the right have two to 12 kids. And so they're not making their own kids. 
So I think that their hope is to take ours and raise ours and indoctrinate ours. And I think that they've largely been successful. I think that even though conservatives do tend to have more children, we've seen, especially in the millennial generation, that's the wokest and most progressive demographic that we've got in the country right now. And that's because I think we turned away and we didn't realize the power of educating and inculcating our own worldview in our kids. We thought, well, you know, if we take them to church every now and then, if we're good people, if we get them food and shelter. That's all we need. And the reality is that is not all we need. The other side has been very purposefully indoctrinating and messaging to very young children for a very long time. And that is the world that we're raising our kids in. Again, regardless of what kind of school you find yourself in, those messages are seeping into your children's world. So what we want to do is we want to say, Go hard after your own kids when it comes to indoctrinating them into conservatism. Like just as much as the left understands that they want to get to kids early, we want to tell parents, get to your kids early. And the book tells them exactly how to do that. You say being conservative is not just about rejecting the wokest worldview, nor is it simply being anti-left. What do you mean? Well, it's not enough to just be against gender transition in children and be against socialism and be against abortion and be against distorted U.S. history. It is important to understand the distortions that the world is throwing at our kids, but that's not enough. You have to teach kids what to be for. What are your kids for? That's really where you have to begin with your kids, not just pointing out the destructiveness, the lies, the distortions. You have to tell them what they are for. And so we spend quite a bit of time in the first chapter of this book telling parents exactly which ideas they need their kids to be for if they're going to raise their kids to resist this woke culture. First on your list is religious freedom and freedom of conscience. Why are they integral to conservatism? Well, and you know, what is it that our kids need to be for? We need to teach them to be the very best ideas, the best ideas when it comes to the economy, the best ideas when it comes to history, the truest ideas, the best and truest ideas when it comes to biology. And those are not new ideas. None of those ideas about the free market, the nature of male and female, when life begins, the founding principles, those are not new ideas. Those are ideas that need to be conserved. And so we're teaching our kids to be conservative kids because we're teaching them to conserve some of the best ideas that we have in this human experience. One of the biggest ideas that need to be conserved is religious liberty, religious freedom, conscience protections. And that's a critical principle that we need to teach our kids. And you can do that from very early ages. You mentioned a few other issues that kind of are the backbone of ideas that need conservation Go through that list if you would. Well, there's a lot of ideas that are under attack today and some things that are new that you never thought that you would need to have a robust defense for when you're raising your kids. Things like boys and girls are different. People have a right to life. But there are very specific principles that are under attack today. And so we list those out in chapter one. A lot of people asked us, why aren't you titling your book Raising Christian Kids in a Woke City? And the answer is, there's actually a lot of very good material out there right now for discipling your own kids. I was at the Ark Encounter a few months ago, and they had tables and tables of telling Christian kids the truth and making sure they don't leave their faith when they go to college. There's awesome resources for parenting, like Mama Bear Apologetics and things like that. But 
there isn't a book for the non-Christian, the people that aren't tuned into podcasts like Issues, etc., who aren't sitting in a pew, like hearing all of these biblical ideas. There needs to be a book for the terrified parents who may not be connected to church, but also Christian parents need to understand the concepts that are distinctly under attack right now so they can lay the foundation for their kids when they're young and introduce them to the distortions when they're older of the ideas that need to be conserved. And so one of those is religious liberty issues, like we talked about. One of them is right to life. When does life begin? When does life end? Who should decide when life ends? One of them is the nature of male and female. What are the differences between man and woman? And then from that, what is the nature of marriage? You can't know what marriage is unless you have a concrete idea of male and female and their distinct differences. What about U.S. history and the founding principles of this country? Individual rights, individual liberties. I mean, that's severely under attack right now. What about principles of the free market and the way that really the virtue of a free exchange when it comes to economics and then the dangers of a government controlled marketplace and race? Is race a primary category of our identity or is there something greater than just our race that tells us who we are? And so what we've done is we've kind of broken down all the big culture war issues down to these principles that you can inculcate in your kids, teach them to conserve, lay the foundation, because it's only when they have that primary healthy foundation of what they're for that then you can teach them how to spot the lie and know what they are against. Katie Faust is our guest. We're talking about helping children resist progressive indoctrination. On the other side, she says that the goal of conservative parents is not simply to keep their children safe in a woke culture. We'll see what she means. The Church's Music from the 20th Century. the 17th century. The 11th century. The 8th century. The 4th century. The best of the church's music from the past 2,000 years. LutheranPublicRadio.org Providing artillery support for the church militant on the front lines, you're listening to Issues Etc. Memorial Press's award-winning curriculum is used by homeschoolers all over the world. Their classical Christian education materials provide everything you need for kindergarten through 12th grade, including books, guides, lesson plans, and instructional videos. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about helping children resist progressive indoctrination. Katie Faust is our guest, co-author of the new book, Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City. 
Katie, you say that the goal of conservative parents shouldn't simply be to keep their kids safe from woke culture. What do you mean by that? Well, this is very difficult, especially for the moms out there. You see what's happening in the world. You see the danger, the damages, the pornography that's online, you know, the ideas about your bodies and about sex and all. I mean, it's just terrifying stuff. And the natural parental response is completely shelter your kids, lock them in a basement. Don't let them have any interaction with the culture at all, because this world is crazy. And I think there's a natural and God-given protectiveness that we have for our kids. But... You do need to protect your kids, but more important than strictly protecting them is training them. Because if all you do is shelter and if all you do is ensconce them in a bubble wrap existence, then when they do go out in the world on their own, they are not going to be able to stand. They are not going to be able to rebut the lies. And so a more proper understanding of what parenting is, is not primarily about safety. Safety is a part of it, but it's not primarily safety. It is training. And training balances safety and exposure. And so that is what this book is about. This is about training your children so that when they do go off to college or they do leave the house or they do encounter that first damaging ideology through their Netflix series or in a chat group with their friends or just on the playground, they're not caught unaware. They're not bowled over by it. This is about training your children so they are influencers of culture rather than influenced by culture. Practically, what do you do about cell phones? Well, what we do about cell phones is what we do with everything else in our children's life. We train them to use it. (laughs) Like you can't just hand your kid $100. You can't just hand them a cell phone. You can't just hand them all the ingredients for how to make breakfast and say, there you go, bye. Anything that you want your kid to use well, you train them how to use it. And so we do talk in the book about how there are some general guidelines around screens in general that you need to be aware of. And namely that there really shouldn't be hardly any screens in your kid's life at all up until age six. That is what psychologists call the industrious phase. That is when kids learn to create in their environment. But when there's screens in their life, they are consuming. And so you actually short circuit this developmental window in your kids that teaches them to be industrious in their world. So that's the first problem with cell phones up until age six. After that, you do need to be very cautious about the exposure that they have with phones, right? So if they are around screens in general, right, you need to have all kinds of protections up around that. Our recommendation is no cell phones at all, none in elementary school. Once you get to middle school, maybe a flip phone because you do need to communicate with your kid, drop off, pick up. Then when you do give them a smartphone, you are now training them to use that smartphone. Okay. You hopefully use your smartphone well in terms of avoiding racy material or addictive behaviors. And so you can then slowly train your child to replicate your behavior in that area. We also draw a line about how there's a difference between the internet and social media. Your kid is on the internet a lot. The truth is, if they're watching anything on YouTube, even if it's a tutorial on how to build a Lego man, or if they're watching any kind of online streaming content, they're going to be on the internet. What you need to be especially careful about, especially with girls, is social media. Those are the places where the algorithms are there to take and capture your kids. And so if they're on social media, train them to use social media. So the main message is don't ever just hand your kid a thing and be like zero to 60, now you're the expert. Whatever it is that you expect your kid to do, whether it's use a cell phone, fold the laundry, make breakfast, or defend a Christian worldview, you have to have a slow handoff of training them to do it. 
What are the rules or the steps to what you call being the program? Well, the first thing that you need to do is, you know, we talk in the book about how you become what you behold, right? Don't expect your kid to become something that they are not watching you live out in front of them. So you are the program. You are going to replicate yourself in your children, especially when it comes to worldview. So do you know what you believe? Are you able to stand your ground? Are you able to articulate your position in a way that is non-aggressive where you're attacking ideas and not people? Have your kids watched you stand against the mob? Have your kids watched you defend with integrity your worldview position? So that is one of the biggest things that needs to happen is first they need to watch you do it. We have a chapter in the book that is called the slow handoff where really we explain our training process. And the truth is it's a discipleship process. I first saw this when I was on some Christian website years and years ago, and I've never forgotten it. And it's something that interestingly, Stacey Manning, my co-author and I have both instinctively done with our kids. And it goes, I do, you watch. So the first step of whatever it is you're training your kids in, how to use a cell phone, how to make breakfast, how to do laundry, how to defend a Christian worldview is I do, you watch. I, the parent, am going to do it. You are going to watch me do it. And then after a couple of years of that, we say, I do you help. So now you have watched me do the laundry. Now you're going to help me do the laundry. I'm still doing the laundry. You're helping me. I'm still standing for a pro-life position on Twitter or on Facebook and having those conversations. And you've watched me do that. I've let you read my tweets. I've let you read the things that I'm posting. Now you're going to help me. What are some of the other things that you would add to this post, honey, what are the markers of a living creature that I've forgotten here that you already know about? So we're pulling them into our world. They've watched us do it. Then they start helping us do it. And you do that for a couple of years. And then something interesting happens. If you are laying the foundation for your kids, if they're watching you, if they're helping you, then typically around the middle school years, they start doing and then you start helping. So then they'll get an assignment, you know, in middle school, or maybe they'll have a conversation with their friend where they'll come home and say, my teacher asked me to write a more just constitution. And I'm so mad about that. I don't know what to do. Well, now they need to do it, but you can help them do it. And that's typically what happens in the middle school years. They are doing it. They are defending the principles that you've taught them to conserve, but they don't yet know enough to do it on their own. So you are the people they go to so that they can do it. You're helping them. But then when they get to high school, after this long handoff of watching you articulate these principles, helping you articulate these principles, you helping them articulate these conservative principles, and then you get to high school and you just watch them. You watch them do it on their own. You watch them stand firm. You watch them stand alone Sometimes you get to read the posts where they are defending the unborn and you didn't even know that they were on Instagram having these conversations because you've been a part of this slow handoff, this training. You are the program. You programmed them through slowly handing your worldview off to your kids. Then when they go to college, you're not concerned at all because they've already done it under your roof, under your guidance, under your consultation. And you know that they can go out into the world with confidence. What is the no flinch rule? The no flinch rule is critical and very, very difficult to master. So the no flinch rule really just means you cannot freak out. <laughs> you cannot freak out when your kid comes to you with an emotion heavy question or 
a jaw-dropping statement about something they saw or something that they heard. And, you know, we list several of them, but my guess is your listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, I saw a big man dressed in a dress standing at the play equipment today. Or my teacher said that a boy can become a girl. Or that boy that I saw, he had two mommies and no daddy. Or your daughter comes to you and says, my friend Jamie, a girl, says that she has a crush on me and we can get married someday. I mean, there's all kinds of things worldview-wise that your kids are going to come to you today, no matter if they're homeschooled, private schooled, or public schooled, that are going to shock you, that you're going to say, are you kidding me? This world is going to make you enraged. How can this world be staying with my kid? She's only a third grader. This is such garbage. That's what's happening inside your head because it is garbage and this world is insane. But it's very, very important. Even if your brain says, you've got to be kidding me, your face needs to say, oh, thanks for letting me know. Tell me more about that. So it's very, very important to stay calm when your kid says something shocking to you. And the reason is because there are going to be a lot of barriers when it comes to passing your worldview on to your kids. One of the barriers is the culture tells your kids that you, the parents, are the enemy. That's one big barrier. Another barrier is there's so many voices that want to crowd you out in terms of being the authority. There's internet, there's teacher, there's friend groups. There might even be extended family members that aren't on the same page with you about a lot of this. And so your job is to be the most connected to your kids and to make them love coming to you when they have questions, even if they're going to confess something that is embarrassing or confusing for them. You have got to remove the barriers of communication between you and your child. And one of the ways you can create barriers is by having a rageful emotional response when your kid comes to you with a challenging issue or a challenging question. Because if they say, okay, my girlfriend, Jessica, says she has a crush on me, says, hey, we can get married someday because two women can get married. Your daughter is probably trying to process that. She's probably confused already. If she knows that she's going to have to wade through your emotional outburst about, oh, this sick culture, it is going to erect a barrier where she goes, you know what? I don't even know if I want to bother asking mom about that. I'll just ask my teacher. Or I'll just look on her phone, or I'll just look on my phone, or I'll just ask my friend, what did you mean by that? And so the no flinch rule is critical when it comes to passing on your worldview to your kids. Because if you have emotional outbursts, you are going to erect a barrier of communication between you and your child, and you cannot transmit your worldview if there's a barrier between you guys. Helping your children resist progressive indoctrination is our topic. Katie Faust is our guest. You're connected to issues, etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas is a great option for helping your children resist progressive indoctrination. Faith Lutheran provides online classes with student-teacher interaction for high school students worldwide. They also offer a classical Lutheran education for pre-K through 12th grade. Learn more at flsplano.org. Faith Lutheran School, Plano, Texas. flsplano.org. Dot org. On the other side of the break, we are going to take up the topic of leveraging the children's learning stages as they pass through them.
Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's life ministry is thousands of people sharing Christ's love and mercy and giving witness to our Lord's creation of life, His design for marriage and the family, and the God-given value of all human life from conception to natural death. Working with many partners, LCMS Life Ministry sponsors human care efforts that meet the needs of body and soul and provides resources and educational events for all ages. To learn more, email lifeministry at lcms.org and visit lcms.org life. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes, dedicated customer service, and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. Your comprehensive source for information, teaching, and truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. I like to think of the deaconess vocation as driven by two things, the love of Christ and the needs of our neighbor. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. James Busher, Director of Deaconess Studies at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, on the vocation of deaconess. First, the deaconess is moved by the love of Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve. Yet I think we can also see the profound needs around us, broken families, loneliness, despair. Deaconesses help the church to become a true family that manifests the love of Christ in our love for one another, and especially for those in need. For more information on the Deaconess Studies program at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, visit ctsfw.edu or call Concordia Theological Seminary at 1-800-481-2155. Teach your children well. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about helping children resist progressive indoctrination. Katie Faust is our guest. Katie, how does a parent leverage the learning stages that children pass through? Well, I bet your listeners are going to be very familiar with the trivium, the classical education model about the three distinct stages of learning that children go through in child development. The first stage is the grammar phase of learning, and that's where they're little sponges. They just suck everything up. They just memorize like crazy. If they're going to Awana, they're memorizing like 13 verses at a time. If they're going to a classical school, they're memorizing through song, you know, U.S. history, rules of grammar, rules of mathematics. That's not the phase where kids typically are able to sort through information critically. That is a phase where they sponge things up uncritically, where they simply accept whatever it is that an adult that they like tells them. And so that is the stage where ideally you are going to pack them full of truth and beauty. And so that is what you want to major on when it comes to worldview training all through elementary school. Your main communication with them is truth and beauty. 
giving them the truth about all these subjects that need to be conserved, male, female, when life begins, the beauty and the reality of racial differences, but not that they are primary definers of who we are, American history, founding principles, basic economic principles, free market information, religious liberty, the importance of religion, the importance of your relationship with Christ, Bible verses, doctrine. I mean, all of that is what you're going to be majoring on in the elementary school years, because developmentally, kids are made to just sponge it up without thinking twice. But your listeners are probably also familiar with the next phase, which is the logic phase. That is where kids go, wait a second, logically, does this work out? Logically, what do I do with this? A lot of times parents can freak out because your kid will hit that phase and they'll say something like, how do we know Jesus is the only way to heaven? Or how do you know that there's only two genders? Or why isn't a woman's choice to be able to have an abortion if she wants to? And a lot of parents will sort of freak out when their kids hit that phase and think, oh, they're denying their faith. Oh no, you know, they're starting to question. But the reality is they're just showing you that they are ready for a new stage of equipping. They're ready for a new stage of training. And what is that next stage? It is for you, the parent, to in essence, make them an expert on all of the distortions that the world is going to throw at them. So we talk about this quote from D.L. Moody who said, you don't know how crooked a stick is until you lay a straight stick next to it. So the straight stick is the truth and beauty of all of those conservative principles that you have spent the elementary school years honing in their mind. But then you, the parent, are going to introduce them to the crooked sticks. You are going to introduce them to socialism. You are going to talk through the horrifying information about abortion, surgical, chemical. You are going to talk to them about transgenderism and homosexuality and same-sex marriage and distortions of U.S. history and critical race theory, all the different lies that the world is telling your kids about those conservative principles, you're going to introduce them to it. Not only are you going to introduce them, but in middle school, you're going to make them an expert. And that's what we tell our kids is we say, we expect you middle schoolers to know more about these subjects than all of your friends. You may not know as much as your teacher. You may not be able to argue against your teacher, but you are going to be the authority in your friend group. So that's the logic phase. And then the rhetoric phase is largely high school where they already know truth and beauty. The grammar stage is over. They have been introduced and they are very familiar with the woke ideas, the distortions to those conservative principles. And then in high school, they're learning to articulate that. They're learning to stand, give a defense, work it out in their own life. How do I complete this assignment with integrity? What do I say to these friends? Should I stand or should I sit during the Black National Anthem when we're having the assembly? And that is where they're going to learn to speak on their own about these different worldview issues. And so that's how we've spread it out, really along with that trivium approach that works so well with child development. Describe the task of filtering truth from falsehood. So this is in the grammar phase. You really do, in as much as it depends on you, saturate them in truth and beauty. They don't have the ability to critically filter out distortions, not like they will in middle school and high school. And so your job as the parent is, whenever possible, to filter out distortions. Filter out, like if you've got a kid that's at public school, usually in elementary school, if there is a teacher who is aggressively promoting an ideology that goes against your beliefs, you filter that teacher out. You switch classes. 
What we have found is largely teachers, even in our woke public schools, if we bring concerns to them, they have respected those concerns. Stacy talks about how she sort of puts the teacher on notice at the beginning of every school year saying, I'm the primary educator of my kids. Thank you for helping them with geometry. I appreciate your help with that subject. But I want to let you know that her father and I consider ourselves the primary educators and thank you for helping with this aspect of it. And so we do let the teachers know, Stacy does a better job than I do about this, saying, we are outsourcing this to you. But if you are going to have your kids in the presence of an adult who is aggressively evangelizing them into a woke worldview, you filter that out. You are filtering out ideas, books, materials that are going to introduce those distorted worldview ideas to your kids in elementary school. That is not to say you're filtering out uncomfortable truths. Part of the grammar phase is to share your with your child truth and beauty. And the truth is, there's some really challenging things in the world. The truth is the Holocaust happened. The truth is we did have slavery and Jim Crow in this country for a couple hundred years. The truth is there are some people that experience gender dysphoria and need psychological help. And so we're not saying that we're filtering out everything that is not happy and pretty. We are saying we are majoring on truth and beauty which means we're going to saturate them in the truthful worldview, the beautiful worldview, but we're also going to honestly answer their questions when it comes up. But your primary job in elementary school is to filter out the distortions as much as possible. And then in middle school, that is where you build the filter on their own. How do you teach your children then ultimately, you have to say, I can't filter anymore for you. How do you actually go about handing that off and saying, now you filter. Yeah. Well, you don't put it in their hands and walk away. You are now in the you do, I help version of that cycle. You're in that phase of the cycle where you are now going to help them develop their own filter. And again, you know, one way that you do that, this is so, so critical, is you have to get to your kids first. So, you're not majoring on transgenderism and abortion and the 1619 project when they're in fourth grade, but you are getting to your kids first in terms of letting them know, hey, there's a lot of screens in your life. And sometimes you might see some naked people or some people in naked videos. That's called porn. And it's really yucky. If you ever see that, you just come and let me know right away. Hey, you know, there's some people that think that this country is really just oppressive and mean to anybody who's not white. And that's a lie. Our country was founded on equality for everybody. So if you ever hear something like white people are bad, you can come and talk to me about that. Hey, you know that babies are so wonderful and God gave them to us and they deserve protection. There are some people that think that a mommy doesn't have to be pregnant if she doesn't want to, and then she can kill the baby. And that's called abortion. And it's really, really sad. And so during the truth and beauty phase, you are going to give your kids a heads up that the world is going to talk with them about these distortions of the Christian worldview, but you're not majoring on that. But you're going to build the filter with your kid in middle school, right? You are going to take these truth and beauty ideas that you have. They already know that some of these distortions exist, but then you are going to be the primary educator, introduce them in detail to socialism in detail to abortion, in detail to the differences between ideas about marriage. Your kid is going to know more than everyone else. And then you are going to use the natural world around them. 
whatever movies you're watching together, as you're driving around town in conversations that they're overhearing you hear, you are then going to show them how those worldview issues work themselves out and what they're seeing and what they're hearing and the conversations that you are having. So you're going to saturate them in truth and beauty, introduce them to the distortions. And then because the world is fundamentally conservative in that reality lines up with conservative principles, you are then going to use the everyday world to reinforce the filter. So they can then see a distortion and filter it out on their own and say, that's a lie. And I can push back on that. Katie Faust is our guest. We're talking about helping children resist progressive indoctrination. She says it's very important, most important, to stay connected to high school students. We'll find out why next. You can listen to our new audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression. It's voiced by the book's author, Pastor Todd Peppercorn and includes an introduction voiced by Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Just go to issuesetc.org, enter your email address, and we'll send you a link to the audiobook, I Trust When Dark My Road, A Lutheran View of Depression, issuesetc.org, and enter your email address. St. Peter encourages us, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That is where we get the Greek word for apologetics, that is to defend the Christian faith. The September issue of The Lutheran Witness takes up the topics of apologetics and archaeology and discusses both of them in detail with articles from Paul Meyer, Sarah Rinsel, Mark Meal, and David Adams. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective. Defending the faith, teaching the truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Welcome back. Katie Faust is our guest, co-author of a new book, Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City, Teaching Historical, Economic, and Biological Truth in a World of Lies. We're talking about helping children resist progressive indoctrination. Katie, you say that one of the most important things when it comes to high school students is staying connected. Why? This is probably one of the biggest mistakes that I have seen, both as somebody who's been involved in youth ministry for a long time. I'm, my husband and I have done youth ministry since we were in college. I'm still running the youth ministry at church right now. Is this idea that you can shelter, 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 shelter. And then in high school, you can say, okay, now let's talk about abortion. Okay, now let's talk about socialism or whatever it is. And the reality is that's way too late. That's way too late. If you just look at sort of the phases of learning, right, that developmental pathway that the classical educators have laid out, the time to tell them, hey, honey, this is right and wrong, or introduce them to the distortions of this world is over. It's over. Like you need to, in your mind, think my job is to 
have a massive download of truth and beauty in elementary school, get very serious about equipping them to identify and fight against these woke ideologies in middle school. In high school, developmentally, they really are ready to stand on their own, not without your support, but the best time to really get serious about equipping is elementary school and middle school. By the time they're in high school, they are, if they're well-trained, ready to stand on their own, but they can't do it without your help. But you're not there as lording over them saying, this is what you need to do. Well, I'm going to run this for you. Well, I think you should do this. You need to be available to them. Now, this is hard. I have a 20-year-old, 18-year-old, 16-year-old, and 14-year-old. They are busy. The 20-year-old no longer lives here. Thank God she's doing great at a fantastic college. But the other teenagers are in my house and they are busy. Two of them are driving on their own. <laughs> They're all away during the day. It is very, very hard to stay connected to them. But the reality is that even though it looks like they don't need me as much, and they don't, they don't need me to fold their clothes. They don't need me to make their lunches. They don't need me to manage their homework but they need emotional nearness with me and they need emotional nearness with my husband because the world is not kind <laughs> and the world is going to pull them away, suck them in and try to make them compromise. And so they have to have a close relationship with their mom and dad. So they have a safe place to land. So they have a trusted place to process. So they have people that they can consult with when they do run into a worldview challenge or something where they're just not sure what to do about it. They're not going to come to parents who are disconnected. They're not going to come to people that they have to schedule an appointment with. And so our major emphasis in high school is stay connected. My husband does that through scheduling breakfasts with every high schooler that we have. He always has once a week where it's just one-on-one, -on -one where they go to a restaurant, they take their Bibles, they read, but mainly my husband sits there and doesn't say a whole lot. He just waits for them to start talking. And that has been so important in terms of them just feeling like my dad is here for me. He will listen to me. He will help me. He's available to me. For me, I stay connected to them by if they ask me for something, I drop what I'm doing and I do, you know, mom, can you go to the gym? And I think, cause I work out, especially with my daughter, that's kind of one of the ways we connect. And I'll think, even though that wasn't on my schedule, I now will reorient my schedule so that we can go to the gym. My third kid, my first son, you know, if he says, Hey mom, can we go grab coffee? I'll think, Oh my gosh, like I don't need another coffee. <laughs> and I was in the middle of a project, but I think, you know what? My job in high school is stay connected. So I drop everything and I go to coffee. So that is the critical, critical part of high school is the world is pulling at them from all different directions, whether it's the direction of busyness, whether it's the direction of compromise, whether it's into the direction of just doubt. And you have got to be the primary emotional support for your kids. And so your main job in high school is stay connected. What is a parent consultant and what principles guide such parents? Well, that is really what we're talking about when we're saying stay connected in high school. I mean, if you think about a consultant, what is a consultant? It's somebody with some expertise. It's somebody who knows more about you than that subject, but they don't necessarily need to be in your life every day all the time in your face. A consultant is somebody that you can call when you're like, ooh, I haven't run into this before. Come over here and tell me what to do in this one situation. And so really that's what you're doing with high school is in the elementary school years, it's truth and beauty heavy, heavy truth and beauty, teaching, 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 teaching. Middle school, introduce them to the distortions of the world. Training, 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 training. 
by the time they get to high school, they don't need you round the clock in their face with worldview training, but they do need a consultant. So what are the characteristics of a consultant? Number one, they're an expert. They know more than you do. Otherwise you wouldn't be calling them. But number two, they're available. Like it's no point having a consultant if you cannot reach them when you're in the middle of, you know, you don't call an HR consultant who never answers your phone when you're in the middle of like a lawsuit, HR lawsuit. I mean, you have to have a consultant that is available and immediately and present with you. And that is why it's so important to stay connected to your kid because they need to know they can go to you for anything, that you are emotionally available, you will be physically available, you are there for them because they might run into a situation. I mean, we've had every one of our kids in public school at some point that will text, quick mom, tell me about the abortion bill that's passing in Georgia right now. Is it really saying that they're going to jail women if they get abortions? I mean, like, I want to be the one that receives those texts from my kids. Quick mom or dad, quick dad, I need a quick history on missionaries overseas. And was it all colonization or not? I mean, like, I want to be the one that we want to be the people that get those kinds of texts from our kids, because they're getting these ideas that are contrary to what they know and what they believe. And they need to have moms and dads who are at the ready, who know more than they do, and who are connected enough to be available. So when your kids are in a pinch, they can go straight to you. And I will tell you what, you can create a lot of sweet emotional intimacy with your kids by simply being a connected consultant in high school. How does a parent construct arguments to respond to the world's ideologies? Over time. I don't know if a lot of us figured out how to do this immediately by the time that we had kids. But we do talk about how first you need to know what you believe. You have to first be the expert. And so the good news is that as you become an expert on all these different conservative principles, that sort of two birds, one stone helps, you know, as you become the expert, your kids can watch you become an expert. They can watch you watching YouTube videos on the Christian worldview. They can listen to great podcasts about the American founding while you're listening to great podcasts about the American founding. And so you are learning these principles. You are learning to construct these arguments and they get to watch you do it. And so as you become an expert, you're actually doing step one of the great discipleship handoff for your kids. And so you're going to learn to engage as you encounter the world. Your kids are going to watch you engage as you encounter the world. And then slowly, they're going to start to help you as you formulate responses and have these conversations. So the world is going to continue evolving and changing. I don't think that we're done with the assaults on individual identities with critical race theory. I mean, there's going to be another iteration. There's going to be more ways that this woke world is going to seek to assault these conservative and Christian values. And so really, you're going to learn to construct the arguments as you stay grounded in these fundamental truths, and then bring your kids along for the journey. How can a parent find other parents who are also trying to raise their kids in a woke world? Well, we spend the entire last chapter talking about this, how you can't do this alone. You may think that you are the only conservative parent or Christian parent in Portland, Oregon, or in Austin, Texas, or in Chicago, Illinois. You may think that you're alone, but you're not. There's other people who believe in these deeply conservative principles. There's other Christians out there. Um, there's other people that are terrified and afraid of what the woke are going to try to do to their kids. And you need to find those people. And we make it very, very clear in the book. You're going to find those people at church. You need to go to church. Even if you think that you're a Christian, 
you can't do solo Christianity. I don't know. Maybe there was a time on the frontier when you could, but you can't do that today. You can't do that in a woke world. You need to find your people. Conservative adults need other conservative adults who can fortify them when they are in a heated battle, when they're trying to find good resources for navigating this world. Conservative kids, the kids you're raising, they also need other conservative adults. They need other people, other adults who are modeling these principles and talking to them about these principles other than just their parents. And conservative kids need other conservative kids. So both Stacy and my kids, that while they're in public school, they have friends, but they don't have Christian friends. The Christian friends and the people that have really been on the same page with them when it comes to their idea of the good, they find those friends at church. So even if they at times might've had to stand alone at school, they can always come back to church and come back to youth group and come back to Sunday school and they can find their people. They know that they're not crazy. They know they're not haters for not posting the black square on Instagram or whatever it is. They have people that will stand with them who also are not bending to the culture. So it's very, very important that you find your people don't try to do this alone. And the reality is those people exist and they are at church. Finally, what do your own children have to say about being raised in a woke city? Oh my gosh. So we wrap the book up with letting our kids, our seven kids, give their advice to parents who are raising conservative kids in a woke city. And we asked them to do this before they read the book. In fact, right now, my 14 year old is the only kid that's read my book. So good job, Benjamin. And we just said, what's your advice to raising conservative kids in a woke city? And I almost cried because they were all so different because your kids are all so different. But my oldest, who's now a junior at an awesome Christian school, she said, one thing is you really do need to stay close to your kids because it's very easy to live a double life, to be one way at home and another way at school. And so you got to have a very strong relationship with them. And then she actually talks about the breakfast that her dad takes her out on just to stay connected, where he mastered that no flinch and just let her say whatever it is she wanted to say, just process without necessarily steering the conversation or trying to correct her or whatever, just be with her so she could say anything. And he did his best not to freak out. My second daughter said, I think she called it a haven. You have to give your kids a haven that they can go to. And she said, you know, like church or Sunday school. And I'm like, oh my gosh, find your people. Good work. My son said, you have to be available if your kids are in a tough situation. He was just having a conversation in one of his classes and the teacher came over and tipped the scales in the direction of his pro-choice friends and literally shut my son down from arguing a pro-life position. And he did it in a very public way that sort of shamed him in front of the entire class. And so my son said, you have got to be the kind of parents where your kid can reach out if they're in a terrible situation in class. And then he said something like, and when you're in a situation and you just have to speak the truth, pray and then do it before you can talk yourself out of it, <laughs> which I was like, that's so good. And then my youngest is like, you helped me understand that transgenderism isn't real. And dad helped me understand that Black Lives Matter is just an organization that's trying to like bully you into stuff to make you look like you're not a racist or something. So it was very sweet to see how our kids kind of talked about what they needed. And I'm like, dang, you guys are hired. Like you literally hit all my talking points. Katie Faust is a married mother of four children in Seattle. She's founder and director of the children's rights organization, Them Before Us. 
and co-author of the new book, Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City, Teaching Historical, Economic, and Biological Truth in a World of Lies. You can purchase this book at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Katie, thanks. Thanks for having me. Friday on Issues Etc., we'll continue our Kids Have Questions series talking with Pastor Jonathan Connor about practicing the Christian faith and science and faith. And we'll discuss teaching and preaching for evangelism with Dr. Ken Sherb. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. You're invited to October Fiesta, Friday night, September 22nd at St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois. October Fiesta features authentic Mexican cuisine, desserts from Cruda Bakery, a festive mariachi band, and of course, plenty of Mexican beverages. Tickets are $25. Proceeds benefit St. Paul Lutheran School, the only classical Lutheran school in greater St. Louis. Learn more at school.stpaulhamill.org. October Fiesta is sponsored in part by Ernst Heating and Cooling, Vallow Floor Coverings, Seavers Equipment, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, Baker Construction, Bunker Hill Chiropractic, and Lutheran Public Radio. October Fiesta, Friday night, September 22nd at St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois. School.stpaulhamill.org.